Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully, so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com forward slash full. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today we're talking energy and industrials. It's Thursday, the 12th of July, and we're going to be talking about renewable yield codes and their corporate structures. I'm your host, Sarah Priestley, and joining me uh, on Skype is Motley Fool contributor Jason Hall. Jason, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, Sarah. How, how about you? You doing well? I'm good, yes. I'm enjoying the brief respite from uh, the 90-something degree heat we're going to get next uh, weekend. So, <laughs> well, it's, you know, July 4th holiday, it's supposed to be unbearably hot. Yes. And I should let people know that we're, this is a pre-recorded episode. So uh, we're, we're talking about um, July 4th, but this, this was recorded just before July 4th. So um, in case anybody's wondering, but Jason, this conversation for the show today kind of evolved from me asking you if you kept up with the uh, 8.3 acquisition. 8.3 was owned jointly by First Solar and SunPower, but they have sold their stakes to Capital Manager Capital Dynamics for total enterprise value of $1.7 billion. That deal uh, just closed, or they announced it just closed on uh, 19th of June. Um, and then we sort of, or then you started talking to me about um, renewable energy, yield codes, and the different corporate structures. And uh, we had a, a question recently about MLPs. Um, so we kind of wanted to address that in a bit more detail and give you know listeners a bit of a rundown on some renewable stocks. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really compelling and a really interesting space for investors to look at right now is, you know, the the, the potential growth uh, with renewables is, I mean, this is a multi-decade thing, but it's also a capital intensive industry. These are more comparative to utilities in a lot of way, but, you know, I think it's a really, really interesting sector and it's worth taking 20, 25, 30 minutes and talking about the companies and the corporate structures and how that affects investors. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, I'm really excited about doing this show. Um, well, it's a lot of companies that you're pretty passionate about and uh, that people will probably heard the both of us talking about on the show before. Um, the first one is uh, Patton Energy Group. Their ticket is PEGI. Um, Jason, as I said, you've talked about Patton before. Um, can you just give us a bit of a background on what their business is? Yeah, it's it's a, a private um, independent power company. Um, historically, their business has been um, as... Uh, taking taking stakes in wind farms all over the world, the U.S., Canada, South America, um, Japan, um, and playing a role in the operations of these wind farms um, generates cash flows from selling the electricity on long-term contracts. When I say long-term, I mean like measured in decades, like 20, 25-year contracts, and basically making a money on the, the, the those long-term contracts and the spread between what it can sell the electricity for and its costs to operate those facilities and its costs for debt and, you know, all of the various little things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, the, the, it's had to slow its growth a little bit here recently because of some changes in, in uh, U.S. tax laws. It's kind of one of the downsides of the uh, new, new tax laws with the lower tax rates that were put in place to start this year. Uh, kind of def- affected some of the access to capital for some of these alternative resources. Um, but but because it's a diversified glo- global company, I think it's kind of a temporary little slowdown that's uh, that's mm-hmm. happened. Uh, and you mentioned independent, but uh, what what do you mean by independent in this sense? 
Yeah. So, uh, so if you think about, you know, whoever your power, you know, your utility bill that you get for your power in the mail has a name on it, you know, Southern California Edison or, you know, one of the Southern company, Duke Energy, one of these big companies, um, they don't always produce 100% of the power that they provide to you and that they provide to, you know, the, the businesses and the manufacturers in your, in your area that use their electricity. Sometimes they contract out with third parties um, to provide them with, with power. And so generally what uh, Pattern does is sells electricity to utilities and also sells it to um, um, large consumers, to industrial consumers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a producer of the power and it doesn't sell it always directly to the end user like a traditional utility does. Mm-hmm. Um, and people really love these stocks generally because of their yield. Pattern's no different. It's got a 9.2% uh, yield at the minute. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, there's a lot of bearish or there's a bit of bearish sentiment towards Pattern at the moment. I think there is quite a lot of uh, short holdings. Um, I think they short shorts have increased more than double over the past seven months. Um, that's people betting that the stock is going to decline. Um, and I think a lot of this, as you sort of hinted at, was this betting that the company's ability to generate growth in the near, t- near term or cash flow in the near term might be jeopardized, uh, might put the dividend uh, in jeopardy. But I would argue, and I'm sure you would argue too, that their their method of sort of these uh, sales to uh, acquire companies with a better um, financial position for them is actually quite wise. Yeah, I think, and, and we've got a couple other companies we'll talk about and we'll kind of get into the, the importance of really good management mm-hmm. in terms of allocating capital in this space. I think it's because there is a lot of leverage involved, um, a lot of debt, um, some financial mechanisms that are important to understand. Um, it's really important for these companies to have the right leadership in place. Mike Garland, who's the CEO at Pattern, is somebody that I, I really like in the space. Um, before Pattern Energy, the public entity was launched um, a couple years back. He's got a really, this guy's been in this industry for about 30 years. I think it was 87 or 88. He sold his, he was involved in developing and selling his first wind uh, farm that he was personally involved in. So he's been doing this for a very, very long time. Um, They just recently announced they sold um, off uh, an investment they had in a a wind farm in Chile. Um, They sold it for a higher um, cash flow rate than they paid to buy it. Um, and so that's a way they're able to free up capital now that they can re- you know, reinvest to gain higher returns. So that's, you know, having somebody that can navigate these changes in the landscape is really, really important. That's, you know, that's one of the things I really like mm-hmm. about Pattern. I think their long-term history, having a, a good leadership in place. And the metric to look at with uh, a lot of these, or the, the two companies that were going to be talking about in this first section of the show is cash available for distribution. So you mentioned that the Chile sale, they sold 10 times, they they essentially sold um, the property for 10 times the value of its cash available for distribution. Um, And then the plan being that they then buy uh, a cheaper asset that they can grow and and evolve to add to uh, their income. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's important because these you know, because of the dynamic nature of, of, of this industry as it grows and um, as the, where the demand is and where the opportunities to, to make the best cash returns are, having, you know, the ability to be flexible and to be savvy 
um, to move out of one operation and take that cash and move it into something else um, is, is really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next company we want to talk about is Terraform Power, um, ticker TERP. Um, Jason, can you give us a little bit of background on Terraform? Yeah, um, one, of, one of our colleagues, Tyler Crow, actually just wrote a really, really interesting article um, about Terraform Power, and he named it as, as a high-yield stock that he's adding to his personal retirement investment. And Terraform Power um, had been part of, uh, now I'm drawing a blank, Sarah, what's the... the um, who it previously Addison, was... Sun Edison, and they were part of Sun Edison, mm-hmm. and Sun Edison bankrupted, and that was terrible, and that's been very well covered. But this Terraform Power has this really great base of assets and it was you know, a separate publicly traded company, so it wasn't directly affected by Sun Edison's back, uh, bankruptcy. But Brookfield Asset Management swooped in, took over, made you know, major substantial investment to, to become the sponsor, and is basically putting in the Brookfield way of allocating capital to take those, those great wind and solar assets that generate good cash flows and creating an entity that will operate more like say brookfield infrastructure partners which is one that you and i've talked about on the Mm -hmm. show before that has these assets that produce great cash flows and instead of just throwing them all back to shareholders retaining some of that cash to reinvest to grow Mm -hmm. uh, and and to to really be effective at that capital management so i think with brookfield brookfield asset management kind of behind the scenes now stabilizing the financial situation um i think it, it makes you know, Terraform Power and it's like six and a half percent yield, a really stable business. And I really like the way that because of Brookfield, the way it's 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 entities have grown steadily and really delivered strong shareholder returns. I, I really, really like Terraform Power a lot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that these uh, structures work with these parent companies, jump in and correct me at any point, Jason, is that um, they will have projects. They will have uh, a company. I, I'm I'm blanking on what Brookfield's. I think it's Brookfield Renewable um, that actually builds. Yeah, the, Brookfield Renewable is one of their. Is there is kind of fits in this niche of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brookfield Renewable Partners. So Brookfield or Terraform Power is a traditional C corp, and then you have the MLPs, Master Limited Partnerships. So we'll talk about mm-hmm. uh, Brookfield Renewable Partners is their. He owns um, hydroelectric, uh, wind, solar assets as well. Um, the difference with, so with, with Terraform Power, Brookfield owns an equity stake, right? Just like any other investor would, um, it owns an equity stake. So the value of the equity, it, it holds on its books. And then just like the rest of us, it gets its dividend that it collects. Um, and then we'll talk about the MLPs in a minute. There's a little bit of a different structure with additional ways that the sponsor can make can make money. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely agree with you. I only recently started uh, to look at Terraform, but it seems like they're very clearly focused on their growth initiatives, both internally to kind of improve their margins um, and improve the power generation in their existing assets by doing things like uh, bringing in bigger, essentially, turbines, and then their organic growth initiatives um, in partnership with Brookfield, with their right of first offer on Brookfield's own uh, portfolio, and then um, repowering existing wind farms, buying out minority investors, all those kinds of things seem like they have a really clear strategy of how they want to achieve growth. And it looks like they're they're set to keep funding, um, expanding uh, dividend payout. 
Yeah, I, th- I think so. And I think, again, if you look at, if you look at the long term, so just if you, if you look at the renewable space, you know, one thing that's, that's happened because these are very much technology driven uh, with the wind turbines and with the, 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 you know, the solar panels and now with uh, energy storage, with those, those costs of the technology, as time goes by, the technology improves, it's a little more efficient. And the cost per unit of power production or power storage, in the case of uh, storage, falls, mm-hmm. right? And what that what happens is that over time, as these costs continue to fall, we're, we're quickly approaching the point where we're going to consistently see uh, renewables be able to generate electricity uh, at lower cost than fossil fuels. You know, it's it's you know, still several years away before it's a consistent thing. But when renewables become the low cost leader. I think that's when we're going to really see massive global investments uh, towards renewables. Mm -hmm. By the way, renewables for, I think, five or maybe six years now on a global basis, incremental investment in the energy space, more incremental dollars have been invested in renewables than in oil and gas. So that's that's where that's where the big investments are already going. Yeah. And which isn't good for the oil and gas industry, but it's definitely good for the renewable industry. so both of these Patton and Terraform are uh, C-Corps. Um, Jason, the corporate structure is definitely not my forte, but uh, can you talk a little bit about C-Corps? Yeah, I'll just, I'll just make it real simple. So the, yeah. it's the same as, as um, a utility stock that you might buy for the dividend or General Mills or one of these other traditional corporations, meaning that you know it, 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 it pays a corporate income tax. Um, it pays you know you a dividend and there's different ways that it can give dividends to you you know a qualified dividend and then that's what qualifies for the for the low um, capital gains tax that you might pay on your dividends at the end of the year um, some of these and actually I think uh, terraform power and um, pattern energy both right now this is just like a good little snippet to think for people to know both right now um, have been historically paying their dividends as a return of capital. And that generally means that it's actually a tax-free dividend that you're getting um, because it's, it's actually not, not even considered a dividend. It's considered a, the returning capital that was invested in the company. Mm-hmm. So um, just a little interesting thing to know. Um, but it's more important to understand in relation to the MLPs, which we're going to talk about that in just a second. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Before we do, I'd like to thank our sponsor for today, Rocket Mortgage. Uh, support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. The chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. With Rocket Mortgage, you can apply simply and understand fully so you can mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com forward slash full. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumer.org number 3030. Uh, so we've already touched on this company briefly, uh, but the next company we want to talk about is Brookfield Renewable Partners. Uh, we've already talked about Brookfield Asset Management, and they are one of the biggest renewable energy owners in the world because of the companies that can, they control, one of which being Brookfield Renewable Partners. Um, they own hydroelectric, wind, solar, and energy storage assets. Uh, they generated $2.74 billion in revenue over the past year, which is crazy. And they kind of have a unique structure compared with other yield codes because they don't necessarily pay out 100% of their funds from operations. Um, they pay about 70% and then they use the rest 
to acquire projects uh, to grow the business. So they aim to grow the business about 5 to 9% organically uh, annually, which would obviously improve their yield. Their dividend yield isn't bad, though. It's 6.5%. Right. Um, what's your thoughts on BEP? Yeah, I, th- I think it gets back to um, the, the Brookfield way of, of, of operating, you know, um, to segue into something that we saw a few years ago, about two, two and a half years ago, a lot of the midstream companies in the oil and gas space, the big master limited partnership uh, midstream companies, uh, when the oil, when oil prices just plummeted, um, there were a lot of those midstreams that were actually overexposed to oil prices. And a lot of them had to cut their dividends sharply because they were paying out all of their, basically all of their cash flows and dividends and counting on debt and selling stock to raise cash for their growth. Um, that's not how Brookfield operates. It, it pays out a reasonable dividend. You know, six and a half percent is, I mean, that's, you know, more than double the, the, the 30 year treasury note. That's a, that's a, that's a very substantial yield mm-hmm. and that allows the company to retain cash to invest back in the business instead of relying on the whims of the market, which as we've seen in other spaces can, can really be devastating to, you know, their, their ability to support the dividend, which is the underlying thing that brings so many investors in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, even a few years ago, there were concerns with Brookfield renewable being able to sustain its dividend. But again, because of the, the way that, that Brookfield tends to operate through all of its, 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 its ventures, it, it, it Obviously, it paid out very well. I, I appreciate personally the conservative approach that they're taking to um, uh, to their distribution. And, and this isn't a MLP, but if you take kind of a, a well-known example, if you look what's happened to GE recently, when mm-hmm. they were you know such an income stock or their stock was sold as such an income stock that when they did cut their dividend, it had broad implications for the value of those shares. So I think that this strategy, as you said, to sort of shield themselves from uh, the cost of borrowing or the cost of issuing new shares is actually very sensible. Yeah. And it's the, the leverage that, that creates such a risk. You know, you mentioned GE. I just have to throw this in. Jamal Carnett, one of our other colleagues, and I um, were chatting about GE um, just a few days ago. And do you realize that going back to 2003, this is like the post, you know, dot com bust like the 2003, like the bottom for GE, you know that it has lost, it's a net 12% loss, in, including the dividends paid over the past 15 years. Isn't that stunning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's scary. <laughs> that's <laughs> what it is. As a GE shareholder, it's scary. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. So that's, again, that's, I think it's a, it's a matter of the risk of that leverage and that overexposure mm-hmm. to debt. Yep. GE obviously was through a bunch of other mechanisms, but the point is that it can be very dangerous. Yeah. Um, the next company we want to talk about, we have spoken about before, is uh, Next Era Energy Partners. The ticker is NEP. Um, they own wind and solar power generating facilities in North America. And actually, uh, something else I'm very bullish on is natural gas infrastructure, which they yep. own in, in Texas. Um, their dividend yield lower, 3.7%, um, but their total returns when you look at share price appreciation are pretty impressive. Um, again, they operate similarly. They sell electricity and also their gas line capacity and long-term contracts. Um, so, you know, set up similarly to the companies that we're talking about, but just a, a, a different uh, a different product line. To I think, think, I think Next Year Energy Partners' connection to Next Year Energy, mm-hmm. um, which has huge exposure to Florida and Texas and a few other 
places that are really growing puts it in a really interesting position to be to to generate really strong you know growth of of just its capital value in addition to growing the dividend um where some of these other more independents may have to work a little bit harder so that's one of the things that i like that you know with that you have a lower yield but i think there's some really interesting growth by being tied into next era energy that i really like Mm -hmm. and they're aiming to grow their payout between uh, 12 to 15 percent through now to 2023. So uh, you can see why people are interested in the stock. And, and it's almost you can't read any article about um, renewable yield codes without seeing Next Era uh, or Next Era Energy, the parent company. So it's definitely a um, it's definitely a hot stock right now. Um, and you can see why it's well diversified and it sort of gives people a little bit of everything that they might want. Yep. Um, so both of these companies are uh, MLPs. Um, we've had questions about MLPs before. I am not qualified to do the ins and outs, and uh, I am aware of that. So, so Jason, could you sort of talk us through the MLP structure? Master Limited Partnerships. So these are these are businesses that they're they're not corporations. They don't pay any corporate income taxes at all. It's a kind of a pass through entity, I guess, is the way that they're often described. Um, and to be able to be structured as an MLP, it has to derive the majority of its cash flows from energy-related um, business operations, which obviously is the case for these kind of companies. Um, so the the upside is the, the 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 corporate answer is these are more efficient at passing through cash flows to the owners, whether it's um, the equity investors like you and me, or it's the uh, you know the 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 sponsor, the, the limited partner, the, um, the general partner that generally controls these. Um, but the downside is if you're looking to invest in a retirement account, your IRA or 401k or Roth IRA, um, over time, too much exposure to master limited partnerships can actually in, can lead you to end up getting a tax bill for something you own in a retirement account. Mm-hmm. Uh, once uh, income... Uh, dividends above $1,000 in all of your retirement accounts in a given year, once you cross that threshold, um, you can be subject to UBTI. Just look up that acronym, um, and it's um, Unrelated Business Taxable Income. Um, So that's the risk of owning master limited partnerships inside a retirement account, Um, because you might, you know, 5, 10, 20 years down the road, cross that threshold and didn't, don't even realize it, now you're paying taxes in an account you shouldn't be paying taxes in. Mm-hmm. So if, if that's where you're generally saving uh, or investing, you know, those C-Corps, you know, Pattern Energy, um, uh, Terraform Power, um, you, you don't have any exposure to those kinds of tax consequences with those kind of equity investments. So that's the basic difference. Uh, if that's not your case, if you're uh, putting in a taxable account um, then invest in uh, um, national limited partnerships all you want. You will have a little more complication because you're going to get a K-9 tax form. It takes a little bit more work to process it than the usual 1099 that you'll get for your dividends. Um, but generally, it's minimal enough that um, if the company fits your thesis and it makes sense for you to invest in, then then getting the K-9 and having the little more complicated taxes won't really, shouldn't, should matter. It shouldn't matter enough. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That was much, much better than I would have <laughs> what I've done, which would have probably been reading one of your articles about MLPs. Fair enough. Um, it's, it's something I've personally dealt with. I don't. Yeah, it's 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 
I don't want anybody to have to go through it. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that you would like to add uh, before we end the show? Yeah, though, just the last thing, you know, because I think one of the things that kind of precipitated this was, you know, some we had some uh, listeners that brought up um, 8.3. And one of the things that I really like that's happened over the past several years is you've seen a shift away from some of these more like more focused on a certain thing. So like 8.3 was solar, right? Because SunPower and First Solar wanted somebody to buy the, the, the solar farms from mm-hmm. them. Pattern energy has been historically wind energy, but now you're seeing pattern is expanding into solar and energy storage. So that optionality, I think that's really important. So when you're looking at these different you know, companies to pick the one that, ones that you want to invest in, Think about their optionality. Do they have a history of investing in, you know, more than just one way to produce energy or not? Um, because as time goes by, as they operate in different areas, there may be advantages of, of, of investing in a solar project versus a wind farm or vice versa. Um, so you want companies that are able to be more flexible as this really, really dynamic growth space plays out in, you know, in the years to come. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's it from us today. If you would like to get in touch, please feel free to email us at industryfocus at fall.com or tweet us on Twitter at MF Industry Focus. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show and the Molly Fall may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Uh, thank you to Austin Morgan uh, for mixing the show. He's had his work cut out today <laughs> from me. And uh, for Jason, I'm Sarah Priestley. Thanks for listening and fall on. Um,